Welcome to the Live and Learn Podcast. The subject matter for this episode is a sit-down conversation in the heart of Maplewood at Foundation Grounds with a person I have known for 20 years, and she and I met in freshman English. She was my English teacher every year at Columbia High School, which is kind of strange because normally you have, you know, you kind of migrate around different um teachers for different subjects. And, you know, she definitely wasn't the only English teacher at Columbia High School. But for me, she was the uh, lottery winner of my fabulous face in her classroom. Her name is Terry McGee. And as you will hear in this episode, we are obviously very close, possibly closer than many of you are to former teachers that you had in high school. But she is a dear friend to me, and we've known each other for 20 years this year, so it was kind of special. And I always knew that I would ask her to be on this podcast, and for me, this episode is quite possibly the most personal yet of all the episodes I've recorded. And um, the energy of McGee and I is still somewhat a teacher-student type of energy. I, I learn a lot from her. I think she's very smart. And um, I'm always kind of uh, inspired and entranced by her. She's just a really neat lady. And so the dynamic is is probably a different shift from what you've heard in the previous six episodes with some peers and whatnot. But nonetheless, this episode is full of love. And actually, there's a first for me in this episode where I have a full out emotional breakdown <laughs> in public. Uh, so if you are an empathetic uh, crier, prepare. This is your warning. Uh, there are some tears that I shed in this episode, and it really did come out of nowhere. But um, just know that it was pure emotion and, and, and pure from the heart. And uh, it was a very sweet moment. So I'm actually happy I, I got that on record and I'm going to keep it in here because I I don't give a shit, right? <laughs> I want you guys to know me completely uh, from the bottom to the top. So anyway, sit back, maybe get some tissues out uh, and enjoy my conversation in Maplewood at Foundation Grounds with my good friend, Terry McGee. doing well, um, living life to the fullest ever since Mrs. Sis died, it's just like, I'm doing what I want to do when I, well, I kind of did that anyway, but even yeah. more so now, yeah. Right. Yeah, I've got lots of trips planned, I working three that. part-time jobs, actually four, and I love them all. Yes. I'm still doing the um, tours. Tour guiding here in St. Louis for Discover, and then I um, work for McKendry. I uh, supervise two student teachers who are going to be English teachers. Oh, that's awesome. Right up my alley. Yeah. Uh, I collect money for my son's business. I call up businesses. I don't call anybody at home, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, so I do that, and then I take people to Europe. You knew the... The yeah. two tour things, yeah. So I've got a big trip to um, Ireland and Scotland in May and June. Did you know that I'm Irish? I found out that I'm very Irish. I, in, to your core, I would suspect that. <laughs> well, i got to tell you how devastated I was when I found out. Look at this, the Book of Celtic Wisdom. This is called it's Gaelic for Soul Friend. And I soul think, Friend? I think you and I are soul friends. I yeah. think we probably go back. I don't think we need a book to tell us that. Oh, no. <laughs> so how did you did your DNA? I did. My, yeah, so um, was it last? No, it's two Christmases ago. I told my mom, I said, I really want to do a 23andMe DNA yeah. test because the whole time I've been in the earth... You know, my grandma Imogene said, uh, "You are, we are Italian, and Grandpa Gherardini came over here from Italy, and da 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 da." He was one of the scabs in the mind, I bet. All those well, Italians. Let's see. So not him. 
Or maybe he did. You, you yeah, that was the like the 1920s, yeah, when the coal miners went on strike and the Italians came in and took their places. Okay, so yeah, he probably was down in those mines. I don't yeah. know too much about it, but yeah. I, I do know that I'm only 7% Italian and I am 49% Irish. Where does that come from? I don't know. I'm so confused. <laughs> What does 23andMe give you links to other people? It does. So well, maybe you can do your uh, tree. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I've, I've started to try and piece it together because without dad, it's hard to, and grandma now, it's hard to. Do you think it's your mom's side or your dad's side? I think side? it is my mom's side. Okay. Big time. And, well, and also because females, you can, because we're X, uh, Y, so you, unfortunately, you, you need your father's DNA to be tested as well to really have a full encompassment of like what your DNA and actually what is. I found out that kind of I don't know this kind of it didn't blow my mind but I kept it was a head scratcher that brothers and sisters can have different, different. DNA I had no clue right but um, I'm 92% Irish I know that well I didn't know 92 but you're 5% very 5% Native American 3% Sub-Saharan African Love so it. let's see Native American and African I think I get a grant or a scholarship Maybe. for a minority <laughs> yeah you should I think I should <laughs> go back to school no. What would you do if you could go back to school? Counseling. I even I went back to school and I ditched it. It's like really? I'd rather play golf. It was it was um, online, but you had to go to the university twice a year, and it was in Florida. And I started it, and I just thought, you know what, I really. I remember when do. you did that. Yeah. So I'm a college dropout. Although I'm a college <laughs> graduate, I'm also a college dropout. You've done now. the entire universal. You've <laughs> yeah. done both worlds. Yeah. That's fun. But uh, not probably that, but. Um, I took a beginner course, I guess you'd call it, at SLU. When mm-hmm. I was teaching the 1818 classes, I got free tuition. Yeah. So I took one of the um, courses to go into counseling, and I did find out about myself that, you know, you're supposed to be very neutral and very, well, what do you think? And not right. me. I want to tell people right. what to I do know. and how to do it. That's why. And I then your life give... would be better. No, I know. This is this is why I'm not a counselor, even though I would love doing it too. Well, actually, the degree I dropped out of was um, what was it called? It was like it was a peace thing, you know, mm-hmm. peace out, right? Negotiator type of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wanted to be a forensic psychologist Ooh. starting out because I wanted to find uh, murderers and like analyze their brains and how they work. Be a profiler. Mm-hmm. Like Jodie Foster, yeah, in Silence of the Lambs. There was an old TV show. I think it was called The Profiler. A woman who did that. Really, I like that show. I guess it was called Profiler. I don't know what it was called, but it was quite interesting. Well, what about you going uh, and teaching at Webster? I know things? that's still on the back burner. I was actually talking to the man that I know over there at a Cardinals game last Thursday, and he he said, "Oh, you know what? Because he's in his sixties, and he goes, I'm going to be retiring soon, and my job is yours if you want it." And I go, "Well, I don't have." I mean, I would totally apply for it and try, but I said I don't have any teaching certifications. But you know experience is more valuable than a piece of paper. And there are colleges that will hire people without the backup degrees. Are those adjunct professors? Well, adjunct just means you're not full-time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe that's what I can do. Yeah. I would love to do that. Like, get off work, you know, at noon or whatever, part or hours for the radio station and then be able to like in the evenings take teach classes or vice versa do it in the morning and have afternoon well, show why don't you put that in motion i'm putting it i'm manifesting it right now with these words are we recording yeah oh, sure. 
I'll be darned. Okay. Don't well, worry. It's what a conversation? Do you, do you want any of that out? We can take no. anything out you don't want. No, I'm, I'm probably going to get self-conscious now that I know. We're, nah, I'm no, not, I'm no, fine. you're not. I can talk to anybody. Yes. Sorry. You're just talking to me. This isn't I know. about and anyone you're, else. You're a special anybody. <laughs> so I was thinking that this year is our 20th year knowing each other. Really? We met in 1999 in your class. I got my Columbia High School yearbooks out this morning after I cut grass, and uh, <laughs> I realized I do not have your senior yearbook. I have all the other really? ones. Really? Yeah. I don't the one know. that I, Dan and I yes. created. So anyway, but I'm happy to have you 20 here. 20 years. 20 years. That is a relationship. It is. You are a dear friend. You've and, always been. And you are a favorite former student and a favorite person. <laughs> You're one of my favorite people, too. I mean, seriously, you are so unique <laughs> and wear it well. Mm. Thanks. I still have issues, remember? <laughs> yeah, I will never my forget. Fav- my favorite uh, introduction to uh, you, yes. Was your walking by, it's, you know, freshman English. I would always doodle on my notebooks and and you, the only way I remember that is that you've told me this story that you looked down and it said, I have issues. You had it on your hand because I oh. thought you were cheating on whatever we were doing. And when I walked around, not that I thought you were cheating, I was making sure you weren't cheating. <laughs> and I looked, I even, I think I picked up your hand and it says, and you said, I have issues. And I go, yeah, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> and then that started our, yeah. like, obviously teacher and student relationship. But then I think it's so unique whenever I tell people about you and I explain how I had you for all four years of high school. And Which was written in the stars. It really was. And then I obviously had Mary Adams for one semester. Right. But having you every year in my life and for those four years of high school probably made my high school career much more tolerable just because I had a good one. I don't. I have zero complaints for being in high school. It was interesting and tons of friends and did okay and passed so I, I mean whenever I look back at high school it's a breeze essentially which a lot of people can't say and a happy time and a happy right? time yeah. and I loved being in your class and I loved having you and well the journalism kids were special anyway right not only because I had them multiple years as you know but you just grow to a, a good relationship you know it's it's more of an open type of classroom you're not all sitting in rows and desk all day long right. you're jumping around and sitting on the eating on food the steps. and checking out of school to go sell an ad right and coming back with <laughs> a soda and snacks right. you know normal journalism yeah, stuff yeah. that was the best it was good and it was neat to have you because whenever I was thinking about people I could talk to for this podcast I I have a list of people and I it I add to it whenever I think of people where I go okay yes like this story is interesting or this person's life is interesting and I think that you are very interesting in your life story and just like how you how you have shaped your life in every generation of your life you know like mm-hmm. being a being a mom mm-hmm. being a teacher getting divorced being single living your life like to the fullest I think it's a real I mean you've been successful in in my opinion in all the ways that you've lived and I think what's interesting is some a lot of people whenever I tell them my, my friend Terry McGee, or I always say McGee, they go, well, how do you know her? I said, well, she was my high school English teacher. And they're like, what? You're friends with your high school English teacher? And I'm like, yeah, we've gone to London, and we like get together for birthdays. And, um, you know, they just can't believe it. And yeah. so I know that it's a very unique and special friendship that you and I have. It's it's You have taught me things. I get a little choked up, actually, um, about myself, which is so 
lovely. It is. And um, you've taught me as well. You are one of the most accepting people I know. You, I, I don't ever recall you saying <laughs> anything negative for very long about anything or anybody. I mean, and you just have an open heart. Oh, thanks. You well, can. and I, I owe that to a lot of people, though. You know, I look back in my life and I think um, how grateful I am for people in my life. Uh, sorry. I'm so choked up. You're touching me. <laughs> you really are. I'll... Well, I just don't know what I'd do if I hadn't met you. Someone else would not fill, <laughs> fill, fill the, uh, the void like you have. Well, I feel the exact same way. <laughs> and um, our trip to London, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Two oh my God. students, well, former students, like it wasn't creepy or anything. <laughs> no, I know. I always tell people, I go, I went, to, I went to London with my English teacher from high school, and they're like, what? I go, yeah, my, my co-editor of my yearbook, and I went to London. And uh, we had like the best time, and it was it was like a weekend. It wasn't even a long trip. It was four days. It was well, that four was days. when um, you could go really cheaply because of nine eleven too. People they were given trips away because nobody was flying. <laughs> so we, we I didn't even think deal. about that. But see, that's what I mean. Like I had no fear. I like a lot of people didn't get on airplanes at that time because they were right. thinking, um, you know, they didn't want to fly. And I re- I just remember. 9-11 happened when I was a sophomore. I was in Mr. Humphrey's art class, which if you're going to pick a uh, a place to be whenever the shit's hitting the fan, it yes. was in his class surrounded by goodness and love. And then, you know, going through high school and seeing all my friends like Dustin, who was, he, he left for Afghanistan yeah, he, whenever yeah. he graduated. And, and then I had no fear getting on a plane and going overseas for the first time with two people I adored, Dan, Preston, and you. <laughs> and so it was like, I think that that is such a testament of how deeply just comforting it can be to have like these people in your life that are able to take you across the ocean. I just remember how uh, amazing your touring was. Like you, <laughs> we didn't even need to read anything. You were like, and this is the London Tower and we're going to climb up in the eye. And I used to live here. And I mean, it was just so much fun to, uh, to take in this city that I've always wanted to see. Do you see. remember our crazy taxi ride because we thought we were going to miss our... <laughs> From the market, yes. Yeah. Oh my god. The black cab. Yes. Are they called black cabs? Or... Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. yeah. And Well, he did a little <laughs> tour guiding along the way if you remember. <laughs> I do. He pointed out Bedlam, uh, was it Bedlam? Yeah, I think it was Bedlam Hospital. The uh, <laughs> hospital for people who have mental issues. Right. <laughs> Do you go back there and think about that? Like when, because you go back to London pretty frequently, right? Yeah, so I do. It's, yeah. Do you go back and you? Because I've not, I've not been since we went. Do you go back and you, you? It's so familiar, and and you can see those places where that guy was pointing out, probably, and remember that trip so much easier. Than, Very much so. That's all. Awesome. I remember you and Dan staying out till the wee hours of the morning, dancing or doing something. So that was cool. Drinking Stella Artois. Ooh. In an underground cave club. So if Dan Preston happens to listen to this podcast, 
Where you are need, you? you? Yes, where are you, and why are you not in touch with us? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Or if somebody knows him, he can be put in touch with us. I think his sister listens. I think Aaron oh, cool. stays in touch with like me on social yeah. media. Well, so that's cool. That's fun. So I wanted to talk to you about teaching and not teaching anymore. Okay. Because I think that there is a huge, there's a huge line, I think, for teachers. Much like my job. My job's an emotional, psychological job. I think teaching is an emotional, psychological job for teachers. It is. You know, you've been retired for how many years? Five years. This is the fifth year, the start of the fifth year. For five years. Yes. Looking back, what were the highlights and the struggles of teaching? And what have been the highlights and the struggles of being retired? Oh, like that question Um, the highlights are obviously well the subject matter because you know I'm an English nerd (laughs) and so anytime I I could get people to um, buy into you know this whole English curriculum I loved it and journalism journalism was always my favorite class to teach so um, that was good the highlights were be um, I stop and think in 26 years of teaching the thousands and thousands of students, kids that I've had, and how there was only one, in 26 years, one student I didn't like. (laughs) That's pretty good. I would never tell anybody that person's name, um, because, and that person did not know it. So, just all the different uh, personalities and uh, gifts that students have, and even the ones that would say, well, I don't (laughs) like you, I was like, that's fine. Right. It's funny, these have been the ones who have contacted me after they got out of school and said, you know what, you were really good for me, thanks. And I know I wasn't very nice to you, so that means a lot. That is really So the highlights would be the the students, the subject matter. And I taught with some really fantastic teachers. Mm. And teachers always, always get their best material from other teachers. Really? Oh, always. What do you mean by that? Like you will be talking about a book you read or an experience you had? Well, I'll tell you something that people took from me that I liked. Um, in Columbia, I started the Great Gatsby Party because I had read about it. And then people in Columbia, the English teachers in Columbia did And then when I moved to Belleville East, it's now at Belleville East. So. That's great. But, um, do you remember when I had you guys uh, memorize the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet? Oh, yeah. I picked that up from another teacher. Yeah, and I did that for years and years, and the kids liked it. And I would see kids years later, and they'd start, he just at scars that never felt the wound. And i go, well, you remember that. <laughs> memorization is good, and schools have gotten away from memorization, and I like I'm that. terrible at memorization. But it's it's something that you work at. It's right. not, you just remember. Okay, so that was really the good part of teaching. Um, I miss interaction with other teachers and students and the subject matter. I don't miss grading papers. Oh, I have to tell you the funniest story. Okay. My last year, junior English, mm-hmm. mandatory research papers. Uh, and they were hard, really hard to grade. So I'm sitting there in my living room with the last research paper I ever have to grade, and I'm thinking... <laughs> Damn, this is good. I almost wanted like the the guy in misery to smoke a cigarette and have a drink after the uh, one. And I thought, never again. I get to school the following Monday, and a kid who'd been out because he'd been in the hospital came in and said, "Here's my research oh, no. paper." And of course, I had to take it. Right. I, I truly don't believe I graded that one as well as I graded the other one. So uh, I don't miss grading papers. Um, clientele has changed and phones in classrooms have really become a distraction have they like what is that like to because it, first of all like i mean i get it where 
it's a distraction anywhere it is. Yes. But I think in a, in a classroom especially, it's such a distraction from the person who should be learning. But it's also a distraction on how people teach and how they connect with their students. Mm-hmm. I mean, was that what you were feeling? Um, yes, and I had a, a pretty strict rule that um, no phones in the classroom except every once in a while I'd say get out your phones because kids quit using agendas so I'd say put it in your phone that it's due on this date or if you want to look something up right now let's get your phone out and look it up you know if we weren't in a computer lab right. so that would be fine but the kids always thought they were putting something over on me and I'm sure many of them did but you know when the, the girl would put her purse on the desk and her hand would be in the purse it's pretty much a telltale <laughs> sign you're texting without looking and I, right. um I think it was Mr. Gagan who actually, um, a student's phone rang, and he answered it and said, who is this? And it was a student's mother. And he said, don't you know he or she's in class? Right. So, um, but my last year on teaching, they allowed um, phones in between classes in the hallways. And, I mean, nobody interacted. Nobody, they right. sat in the cafeteria and, and didn't interact. So it was just hard. And clientele has changed, too. Um, a lot of times schools, it's almost like the students are running the school. And, you know, really? I was a disciplinarian. Right. So I was, I was glad to get away from that. And, you know, yeah. and, I, and I remember my first year teaching, there were a couple, and that was in Highland, Highland High School. Um, there were some veteran teachers who were very cynical, and I made mental note. When I become cyn- 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 cynical... cynical retire and I wasn't quite there but the door was opening and I was walking into that whole cynical world so it's time for me to go. I remember that advice you told me. You told me that years ago. You said if you start to get cynical it's time to get out. Yeah it really is. And, and I, I believe that. And I worked my ass off until the day I left. Yes. And I I had a plan B when for anybody retiring you have to have a plan B otherwise yeah. you get depressed. I had a plan B and C and it turns out D was there too. So I'm really good. I'm good the retirement. I like having my own time. But, you know, I, I work a lot of jobs, part-time jobs. I like them all. But I have loads of free time. Yes. What do you do for your free time? Uh, lots of uh, walking, hiking, swimming. Yes. Reading, of course. Uh, well, travel. Um, gardening. I like gardening. Yoga anymore? Oh, All that's a given. Right. That's yes. I am a practitioner. Yes. And I, I really think it has uh, helped me uh, stay very uh, pain-free and flexible. Yes. You're in amazing shape. I, you've all, you always have the best style and hair. And <laughs> I just think, I mean, honestly, like, you want to talk about people, you know how people will look at friends or colleagues and they'll say like oh they have great style like whenever I am in my 60s I will also be wearing like exactly what you're wearing oh, today you're so, so sweet thank you if there are any single men out there listening to this <laughs> my number is uh, are you dating you're always dating no what well you know the didn't didn't you I told you the guy from Boston story I think so. Yeah, well, he was he visited in February. Oh, okay. but it, it's not. It's just going to be a. He stays in Boston, <laughs> and I stay here. Well, good. So it's communicating and yeah, nice. It's fine. That's all you need. But I still think there's a Irishman or a Scot Scotman in my future. But do you, when you go overseas, do you seek out the men? <laughs> I look around. Good. But mostly, I'm. You know, I've got groups that I'm responsible for. So it's not like I can go off and. 
date some hot Scott. Well, actually, Mrs. McGarrity and I, who teaches at Bethel East, there's a matchmaker festival in Ireland in the fall. And I said, we we need to go to that matchmaker (laughs) festival. You're like building a trip around those dates. Yeah, that would be great. So that's it, yeah. And you also have grandchildren. I have lots of grandchildren, and um, they're all coming of an age where they're kind of like, uh, okay. Where they don't want to hang out with Grandma anymore? Um, not as much. Um, now, you know I take them on a trip when they're 10. Yes. I have one left to take, and I know she's going to want to go to London, and I, I, I can't take her to London when I didn't take the other kids. Right. So I have to find an alternative. She thinks she's British anyway. That's awesome. Yeah. I took her to the London Tea House, and she told everybody there, well, you know I'm British. <laughs> Does she speak with a British accent? No. no? <laughs> I don't think she knows what a British accent is. Maybe but she'll she's talk. very precocious, and I'm sure she can, she's dramatic, and I'm sure she can come up with a British accent yeah. if she realized what it I'm was. trying to think of where you can take her that's comparable in the United States. I don't know. Britain. We'll have to think about it. Well, when one of them wanted to go to Paris, I ended up taking her to Quebec, and she was very satisfied with that. Oh, yeah. Quebec's I've never cool. been oh, up to Canada at very all. Very cool, yeah. I love that. I think that's really neat that you, every grandchild that turns 10, you take them to a different place. Where where, do, where else have some of the other kids wanted to well, go? Well, the first one, I didn't have very much money, so we went to Louisville. <laughs> and, right. I, and I, I told him later on, I go, you know, if you want to have another trip since you got the cheap end of it, he goes, no, I'm good with that. Um, he, uh, we stayed in the ghetto, and he thought that was really cool. It's an experience, absolutely. And um, went after that was San Diego, and that was very nice. We uh, stayed at the Del Coronado Hotel, the most haunted hotel in the United States, Stop and it. we went ghost hunting and in that was, Louisville. No, no, oh. in San Diego. In San Diego, that was the second one. Got it. Yeah. And then third one was Quebec. Fourth one was a dude ranch in Colorado. <laughs> Fifth one was New York City because we did the Project Runway trip. Oh yeah, and a mood. Oh, mood so cool. Love that. And swatch. And, and swatch. And it was very expensive material. I didn't. I think I bought ribbons and that's one. And then it was Montana, mm-hmm. which was just kind of Montana. Um, and I think that, oh, and then um, D.C. Wow. I'd go back to D.C. There's so much to do there. I know. We took, Tim and I went a couple of years ago for an anniversary trip. And yeah. I guess I had gone whenever I was in middle school. But yeah. I forgot about that. I was like, I was so just not in that mode right. to care. And then going back as an adult and being able to actually appreciate all the history that's there was so moving. And we were there for maybe three days and walked a million steps. Oh, you do. You really do. And probably need to go back for a second time. Well, the first time I was in D.C., I went to the um, Vietnam Veterans Memorial um, teacher workshop that I I was um, I kind of applied for and accepted, and that was amazing because the guy who started the memorial um, had this workshop for teachers, and I had so many... Um, doors open to me that I could go and do things so that was really cool and then the second time was with the grandkid and that was fun yeah that Vietnam wall is I, I went to it I remember walking up to it and I didn't think I would have as bold of a reaction as I did mm-hmm. and I just lost it and oh, yeah. there, the fact that there were so many people you know walking by it I just remember thinking like oh my gosh like the, you don't think it's going to be that big and then you walk up to it and you see how many names are on it and it's incredible. It's, 
So sad. Um, I got to honor the one and only um, person from Columbia High School who died in Vietnam, and that was nice that I got to honor him. And people leave, as you know, gifts all over. Mm-hmm. And um, the guy, John, uh, the guy who started the memorial, it built a museum to house all these gifts because you can't you throw them away. Right. So that was very moving for me too. So there's a there's an actual house that is yeah, it's a house. museum. Wow. That's really neat. It really is. And then um, the Korean Memorial, when I was there, it's I don't know if you remember, they're, they're soldiers. They're walking through the... But there was mist, so we couldn't see them. And then all of a sudden, you start seeing helmets. And oh, wow. They, it was really eerie and sure. moving, yeah. Because it's moving even without the mist, but then to see that, I And then there's the incredible. memorial to the nurses who served in Vietnam, too. That was... I don't know if you saw that. I did not see that. It's not too far away from the wall. Yeah. Where's your favorite place in the world? Ireland is my favorite country, and um, I really like the French town of Nice. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you one of the reasons I like Nice. Not only is it, uh, you know, on the Mediterranean Sea, mm-hmm. uh, right there, um, it's part of Provence, but um, it's very walkable. And I was walking, I think, from my hotel down to the the boardwalk, um, and I passed a beauty shop. Mm-hmm. And these ladies were sitting outside with all the tin foil in their hair, getting their highlights and stuff. And you know, most people around here, you hide if right. you're in the you have the, the cape on. Yes, and you don't want anybody to see you. And they're <laughs> they're interacting with the merchants and the people walking by. And I go, oh, that that's that's amazing. That's acceptance. Yeah, yeah. But that it's is really acceptance. pretty and warm, and it's not too far from Cannes. You know, where the the film festival right. is not too far from Monte Carlo. So. It's a it's a favorite city. Although Florence used to be my favorite city, I do love Florence. What is so great about Florence? Um, not only every time you turn around, there's some kind of historical place or artwork. Mm-hmm. It's laid out where it's very walkable, mm-hmm. and there's always something going on. Whether it's uh, a concert in the middle of the Uffizi Gallery, or um, you know, just I want food and wine in right. Italy. I need to go. I need to go to all these places. You do. I do. I, I haven't... Um, Tim and I have a friend who lives in Budapest, and they also have a summer house in Spain, and so these we... These are the kinds of friends to have. <laughs> I know. And we... Uh, so Tim, when he was in high school, hosted a foreign exchange student. Uh, his oh, name is Oliver. Uh-huh. And so uh, the... Our family has kept in touch with him all these years, and so my mother-in-law goes over to Budapest and because he just had a baby and she wanted to meet his baby and so she flew over there and hung out and but yeah they're always inviting us over and um tim has flight anxiety so we have to like really gear up for that big you know overseas trip yeah so we'll we'll do it you just get him some knockout pills and he can sleep during the (laughs) oh budapest is really cool yeah i i can't wait to see it yeah we will and um i Never thought I wanted to go to Germany, except I took a, a group to Germany last December for the Christmas markets. Mm-hmm. And Germany has the best bread ever. And I've been to quite a few foreign countries, but their bread Germany, is the best. Oh, it is better than. The Why French is it bread so good? Because it's got it's earthy and it's you know the dark grains and it's got stuff in it and it's just <laughs> it's a meal. You have a slice of bread with some butter and it's a darn and it's meal. A meal. Yeah. 
So. Where Where is left to go for you? I mean, I feel like you've been to en- anywhere that you've wanted to go, you've gone. Um, I haven't been to Greece, and I want to go to Iceland. I don't know why I want to go. Iceland is like the trendy destination nowadays, but right. I still want to go to I- Iceland. Um, where else do I really, really want to go? Hmm. Savannah, Georgia. Never have been. never been there. Okay. And Sedona. Not been to Sedona. I want to go to Sedona. Too. And I just finally checked uh, Mackinac Island off. I had never been there. Now I've been to Mackinac, so that was good. But I want to go to Sedona. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. But Savannah. Is... Would you go to the energy fields of Sedona? Hell yes. Yes. That's why I want to go as well. Yeah. I just want to see what that's all about. Well, and it's what the vortex or whatever well you know i'm into all that kind yeah. of stuff yeah i was gonna say i didn't know that you were into the haunted stuff i lived in the haunted house when i on beast on beast street, on yes. street. okay very haunted a uh, nice 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 ghost. spirit yeah, yeah spirit i uh i'm intuitive so i pick up on stuff so i want to see how much i you know if my antennae come out at sedona <laughs> and i pick up on stuff or not but yeah and there's some good hiking in sedona a, uh, a guy in my yoga class goes there quite regularly and he said yeah you've got to get there and do some hiking i so. want to go i want to be there as well i want to do the like a week there of just hiking relaxing energy fields mud baths the whole experience Ooh, I didn't know I they had mud baths oh, yeah. there really? mud baths. Oh, I learned something new speaking of uh, spirit world to so get this last week I um, so I, I have never met obviously because she passed before I was even thought of but my dad's dad's mom her name was Lily May and I had a dream also known as a I, I read the difference between a dream and a spiritual encounter I had this dream the other night <clears throat> I was lying in my bed all in my bedroom I remember waking up standing up next to my bed and Lily May was standing next to my bed and she was showing me this white and yellow handkerchief and so she she kept trying to show me this handkerchief and I I was like yeah I see it and I knew it was her and I wasn't like afraid of her or anything I felt very comfortable and I you know I'm like oh you're my great 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 grandma and she folded up this handkerchief and she put it underneath my cell phone it's on my nightstand and I woke up in the morning and I remember I grabbed my phone because that's where my alarm is and I remember feeling around to see if it was there there. Ah. and I looked it up and you know they they talk about how dreams are dreams and spiritual encounters are different you know and the difference is you know when you dream and you maybe wake up and you think oh there's some there's somebody standing next to my bed if you can't place who it is that's a dream mm-hmm. but if you know. a spiritual encounter is when you dream about somebody that maybe you've never met because they've been dead the whole time that you've been alive but you know it's them that's a spiritual encounter and they're trying to show you something or um, how did you know it was Lily May I just knew I just had you ever seen pictures? No, of her? I've never seen a you photo. You just of her. intuitively knew. I just knew it was her. I want one of those encounters. I've I've had dreams about dead relatives, but never like that. That. But you knew it was them, or are these oh, people no. that you had no, met before? No, like the the one that really gave me satisfaction is that I was in college when my mother died, and I was taking twenty hours of Eng- no, twenty hours, eighteen of it English. My house burnt down, my marriage was on the rocks, Mm. and my mother died, and I buried her and couldn't mourn her, and I remember, like, the semester was over with. She had died a 
a couple weeks before that, and I thought, oh, I just want to have one more conversation with my mother. And in my dream, she came to me, mm. and we sat across from each other, knee to knee, and I couldn't tell you because I couldn't hear what we were talking about. Right. But I woke up and felt such contentment after that. That's so, yeah, I think so dreams good. are, are um, powerful uh, medicine. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think that people come into our dream state to kind of give us a push in a, a direction that we need or like that like you just wanted to have that one last conversation right. I, I think that just to have that like closure is so beautiful and, and there's no way that science or anybody can explain that it's just it's just the spirit it's just this beautiful thing that's unknown well since you've lost your dad you'll you'll like this story this has been a long time ago but i i was thinking about going somewhere and decided i wasn't going to go and i felt a hand push me and i'm fully awake Mm -hmm. push me in the back and i went okay okay and i'll go and that's where i met one of the people that i stayed with for a long time and i know it was my dad pushing me to go it's like okay i'm going interesting like what did it feel like just like a warm no it was a shove it was a shove no no, i mean i didn't go stumbling in the room but i you know it's like okay i read about this all the time where people are snatched out of the way of the car Mm -hmm. or you know yeah i i think there's angels and people out there who are watching over us it'd be a sad world if they weren't oh yeah it would be very sad. Do you have any questions for me? Um, Your inquisitive heart? No, let me think. Um, I'll just answer anything. I don't know. I'm, I'm having uh, some issues with one of my kids, and I keep thinking, uh, parenthood's overrated. <laughs> so yeah. that's on a that's been a big subject for the last I, I year. I thought so. I I'm thought actually so. in uh, I'm actually in therapy to help myself understand if I want kids or not. I like that. And not I, just willy-nilly jumping in and saying, yeah. It's, um, parenthood was important to me, and um, I enjoyed many aspects of it, but it's your probably your biggest joy and your biggest heartbreak. But it's all right. If people think it's the be-all and end-all, especially when they start having kids. Ugh. Well, oh. I, I agree. I agree to some degree because I think that I think there's people, like I always think about John, my co-host, who I think his his greatest he's had he's had an amazing life, but his greatest joy literally comes from his three daughters. Like yeah. he is so just invested and so um, proud, and all these amazing things that he is with his daughters. And he's you know, and I look at that and I go, wow, that's that's somebody whose life has been enriched because he got to be a, their dad. Oh, I think you know kids do enrich your life, but like I said, they also give you one of your biggest heartaches right. too. So it, you know, it's a balance. Absolutely, like, most, like life is a balance. I know it's so it's such a hard decision, and it's I don't have a lot of spaces to talk about it because I, right. you know, whenever I'm honest about things like where I. I'm obviously honest with Tim about everything, but you know it's it's hard to talk to some people that are so um, enamored with having their kids, and they're so they their lives have completely pivoted and changed in a better way for them. And then you have people that they've had kids and their lives have changed in a negative way, or they've watched their kids die, or they've watched their kids diminish down addiction. And I, I get that it's it's a fork in the road. It can go either way. It can be the greatest heartbreak of your life, or it can be the greatest gift of your life. Or a little bit of both. Or a little bit of both. And, you know, it's like, and I look at it and go, I'm at like the precipice of 
of deciding. Yes, you are. And it's it's the most ridiculous thing ever because I just I kind of it's one of those things where you wish somebody else could just make the decision for you, mm-hmm. but they can't. You know. Well, you do have somebody else invested in this decision. I do. Yes. Okay. Well, and yeah. he and he's more. I think he's more in tune with having kids. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of that comes from he's had a really, you know, in quotations, normal childhood where his parents are still married mm-hmm. and they're very mm-hmm. much in love. And he's had this really amazing life with family as, as the core. And my life has always, I've always had family, but it's never been the whole core. It's been like half in, half out. Mm-hmm. And it's nobody's fault for that. It's just that's kind of how my cards were dealt. And it's a lot harder to pick up the pieces of yourself when you aren't. 100% comfortable in the family atmosphere. Like, I would say I'm more myself around my friends and around people I pick up along the way mm-hmm. than you get me in a family environment and I'm almost like the bull in the china shop, you know, or there's too many faults there. So it's, I worry about that. But then I think about, I go back and forth with, that was my childhood, that was my family life. I would do things differently and I would pick the parts that I really enjoyed and mm-hmm. I would I would keep away the things that I didn't enjoy and I would... That's how I would be as mm-hmm. a parent. But it's it's the hardest decision in the world to make. Well, if you think of um, being a parent as part of your life and not your whole life, once you have a kid, yeah. I, I think that would make you a little bit more balanced, more adjusted, um, you know, keep up your, your other parts of your life as best you can. Right. But look how much you love Clover. Just think if that was a baby. Well, that's what somebody just told me. They said... Um, I was actually Megan Davis. Uh, I called her the other day out of nowhere and we were talking about different things and she had her daughter Haley right out of high school Mm -hmm. and um, I asked her, I said, did you always know that you wanted to be a mom? And she said, yeah. She goes, maybe I wouldn't have done it as early as I did, but that's how it happened. And I said, you know, I'm afraid that I don't have it in me to love like a mother. And she says... Look, at, it's just what you said. She goes, look at how much you love that freaking cat. <laughs> she goes, she goes, it's not. She goes, people will say like loving your animals is different than loving a human being, but it's very similar. She yeah, said, and, so. and I agree. And you're you're um, in charge of the care of that yeah. cat and that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll make the right decision for you. Yeah. No, I will. I'm just figuring it out. It's it's getting more and more. I, I would highly suggest anybody go into a therapy type of realm and and really dig some things out because there's a lot of things that this woman is. That's my therapist. Is uh, she's a therapist that deals directly with women who are have infertility or maybe they've had to have an abortion mm-hmm. or um, maybe they have lost their child. You know, it's a lot of varying degrees, women that maybe aren't, uh, or men and women who maybe aren't sure that they want to have mm-hmm. kids. And what's interesting is as much as that was the basis of going in to see her, we have, we've dived through so many different layers of me, which it's like, that has been the most amazing thing. Just like, cause you were talking about how you never got to like really grieve your mom mm-hmm. cause it was all happening so fast. That also happened to me. She goes, think about when your dad passed away. You were 21. She's like, you were ending college. You were probably in your last year of college. You go straight from July when your dad passes on to August going back to school to, you know, diving headfirst. I loved being in college. I loved studying. She goes, then you come out and you, you know, do summer and you don't really, a lot of time has gone by and people don't know how to deal with grief and it's awkward for others. And, you know, it... 
that was really eye-opening to me where I go, oh, I haven't dealt with all this stuff. I've literally just packed it away mm-hmm. and just moved through things. Mm-hmm. And, like, so we're unpacking one thing after the other, and it's been, like, the most liberating experience. I bet you feel lighter, too. I do. I'm, I'm, more, uh, <laughs> I'm more raw about things, but that's a beautiful thing. I have, like, no... Well, you're not putting yeah. up barriers, then. Oh, no. Yeah. There's... With people that I trust, I'm not. I mean, I still have boundaries with people that aren't as Well, you have to. That's called surviving. Yes. (laughs) You have to know these things. As we leave on another lesson that she is reassuring me that I've learned as I've grown, but also making sure that, you know, I don't feel alone in those feelings. That is what a good teacher does. And she is my all-time favorite. I've always said that. And I just cherish her so much. So hopefully the uh, the emotions and the personal alignment didn't uh, didn't make you feel too overwhelmed. But I was really happy to have pretty uh, deep conversation about many things that a lot of people don't talk about. You know, death, do you want to have kids, uh, spiritual encounters, all that good stuff. So she was a fantastic guest to have. And think about your teachers in your life. Everybody, if you're lucky enough to go to school and have a great education and have a favorite teacher, even if it was like in, you know, first grade or whatever, think about how important the lessons that you learned in the classroom and just through the humanity that was around you. Teachers are so valuable to human beings all over the world. And I wish they were paid millions and millions of dollars. That's what I would do if I owned the earth. So much uh, love to all the teachers of the world. Coming up October, we are going to have a man and it will be uh, October 6th when the next episode of the Live and Learn podcast comes out. So until then, I hope you have a fabulous September and I will talk to you in October. Peace. Peloton, let's go. This holiday... With the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.